0: So welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, your journey through the Bible in 260 days. Welcome to episode 139. Today, as we continue our look at the kings of Judah and Israel, we'll be seeing a pattern that uh, repeats over and over again about what happens when you rely on God and what happens when you don't. And we'll see this actually tied in with another book as well, the book of Philemon, which I'll introduce before I read it. But we'll see this theme of of what it means to live your life in a way that relies on God, how that works out, and also when you don't. And so we'll see this contrast back and forth in our passages today. So we'll begin today actually with 2 Chronicles 15 and 16, and then we'll go to 1 Kings 16. God's Spirit came upon Azariah, son of Oded. He met Asa and told him, Listen to me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you when you are loyal to him. If you seek him, he will respond to you, but if you reject him, he will reject you. For a long time Israel had not sought the one true God or a priest to instruct them or the law. Because of their distress, they turned back to the Lord God of Israel. They sought him, and he responded to them. In those days no one could travel safely, for total chaos had overtaken all the people of the surrounding lands. One nation was crushed by another, and one city by another, for God caused them to be in great turmoil. But as for you, be strong and don't get discouraged, for your work will be rewarded. When Asa heard these words in the prophecy of Oded the prophet, he was encouraged. He removed the detestable idols from the entire land of Judah and Benjamin and from the cities he had seized in the Ephraimite hill country. He repaired the altar of the Lord in front of the porch of the Lord's temple. He assembled all Judah and Benjamin, as well as all the settlers from Ephraim, Manasseh, and Simeon, who had come out to live with them. Many people from Israel came there to live when they saw that the Lord, his God, was with him. They assembled in Jerusalem in the third month of the fifteenth year of Asa's reign. At that time they sacrificed to the Lord some of the plunder they had brought back, including seven hundred head of cattle and seven thousand sheep. They solemnly agreed to seek the Lord God of their ancestors with their whole heart and being. Anyone who would not seek the Lord God of Israel would be executed, whether they were young or old, male or female. They swore their allegiance to the Lord, shouting their approval loudly and sounding trumpets and horns. All Judah was happy about the oath because they, because they made the vow with their whole heart. They willingly sought the Lord and he responded to them. He made them secure on every side. King Asa also removed Makkah, his grandmother, from her position as queen mother because she had made a loathsome Asherah pole. Asa cut down her loathsome pole and crushed it and burned it in the Kidron Valley. The high places were not eliminated from Israel, yet Asa was wholeheartedly devoted to the Lord throughout his lifetime. He brought the holy items that his father and he had made into God's temple, including the silver, gold, and other articles. There was no more war until the 35th year of Asa's reign. In the 36th year of Asa's reign, King Baasha of Israel attacked Judah, and he established Ramah as a military outpost to prevent anyone from leaving or entering the land of of King Asa of Judah. Asa took all the silver and gold that was left in the treasuries of the Lord's temple and of the royal palace and sent it to King Ben Hadad of Syria, ruler in Damascus, along with this message I want to make a treaty with you, like the one our, fa- our fathers made. See, I have sent you silver and gold. Break your treaty with King Baasha of Israel, so he will retreat from my land. Ben Hadad accepted King Asa's offer and ordered his army commanders to attack the cities of Israel. They conquered Aijon, Dan, abel and all the storage cities of Naphtali. When Basha heard the news, he stopped fortifying Ramah and abandoned the project. King Asa ordered all the men of Judah to carry away the stones and wood that Basha had used to build Ramah. He used the materials to build up Geba and Mizpah. At that time, Hanani, the prophet, visited King Asa of Judah and said to him, "'Because you relied on the king of Syria and did not rely on the Lord your God,' The army of the king of Syria has escaped from your hand. Did not the Kushites and Libyans have a huge army with chariots and very large number of horsemen? But when you relied on the Lord, he handed them over to you. Certainly the Lord watches the whole earth carefully and is ready to strengthen those who are devoted to him. You have acted foolishly in this matter. From now on, you will have war. Esau was so angry at the prophet, he put him in jail. Esau also oppressed some of the people at that time. The events of Asa's reign from start to finish are recorded in the scroll of the kings of Judah and Israel. In the third, in the thirty-ninth year of his reign, Asa developed a foot disease and his disease became severe. Yet even in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but only the doctors. Asa passed away in the 41st year of his reign. He was buried in the tomb he had carved out in the city of David. They laid him to rest on a platform covered with spices and assorted mixtures of ointments. They made a huge bonfire. To honor him, and so we see this mix uh, back and forth in King Asa's life of relying on God and seeing that things went well, and then going back to not relying on God and his own strength, and then things didn't go well, and we'll see this pattern continue. Actually, mostly in the negative, in First Kings sixteen, as we see and hear the stories of kings of Israel, the northern tribes, uh, as opposed to Judah, the southern tribe that Asa was king of, and so First Kings sixteen. The Lord's message against Basha came to Jehu, son of Hanani. I raised you up, it said, from the dust and made you ruler over my people Israel. Yet you followed in Jeroboam's footsteps and encouraged my people Israel to sin. Their sins have made me angry. So I am ready to burn up Basha and his family and make your family like the family of Jeroboam, son of Nebat. Dogs will eat the members of Basha's family who die in the city and birds of the sky will eat the ones who die in the country. The rest of the events of Baasha's reign, including his accomplishments and successes, are recorded in the scroll called the Annals of the Kings of Israel. Baasha passed away and was buried in Tirzah. His son Elah replaced him as king. And so it was that the Lord's message came through the prophet Jehu, son of Hanani, against Baasha and his family. This was because of all the evil he had done in the Lord's view, by angering him with deeds and becoming like Jeroboam's dynasty, and because of how he had destroyed Jeroboam's dynasty. In the twenty sixth year of Asa's reign over Judah, Baasha's son Elah became king over Israel. He ruled in Tirzah for two years. His servant Zimri, a commander of half of his chariot force, conspired against him. While Elah was in Tirzah drinking heavily at the house of Arza, who supervised the palace in Tirzah, Zimri came and struck him dead. This happened in the twenty seventh year of Asa's reign over Judah. Zimri replaced Elah as king. When he became king and occupied the throne, he killed Basha's entire family. He did not spare any male belonging to him. He killed his relatives and his friends. Zimri destroyed Besha's entire family in keeping with the Lord's message, which he had spoken against Basha through Jehu the prophet. This happened because of all the sins which Basha and his son Elah committed and which they made Israel commit. They angered the Lord God of Israel with their worthless idols. The rest of the events of Elah's reign, including all his accomplishments, are recorded in the scroll called the Annals of the Kings of Israel. In the 27th year of Asa's reign over Judah, Zimri became king over Israel. He ruled for seven days in Tirzah. Zimri's revolt took place while the army was deployed in Gibbethon, which was in the Philistine territory. While deployed there, the army received this report. Zimri has conspired against the king and assassinated him. So all Israel made Omri, the commander of the army, king over Israel that very day in the camp. Omri and all Israel went up to Gibbethon and besieged Tirzah. When Zimri saw that the city was captured, he went into the fortified area of the royal palace. He set the palace on fire and died in the flames. This happened because of the sins he committed. He did evil in the sight of the Lord and followed in Jeroboam's footsteps and encouraged Israel to continue sinning. The rest of the events of Zimri's reign, including the details of his revolt, are recorded in the scroll called the Annals of the Kings of Israel. At that time, the people of Israel were divided in their loyalties. Half the people supported Tibni, son of Ginnath, and wanted to make him king. The other half supported Omri. Omri's supporters were stronger than those who supported Tibni, son of Ginnath. Tibni died. Omri Omri became king. In the thirty-first year of Asa's reign over Judah, Omri became king over Israel. He ruled for twelve years, six of them at Terzah. He purchased the hill of Samaria from Shemer for two talents of silver. He launched a construction project there and named the city he built after Shemer, the former owner of the hill of Samaria. Omri did more evil in the sight of the Lord than all who were before him. He followed in the footsteps of Jeroboam son of Nebat and encouraged Israel to sin they angered the Lord God of Israel with their worthless idols. The rest of the events of Omri's reign, including his accomplishments and successes, are recorded in the scroll called the Annals of the Kings of Israel. Omri passed away and was buried in Samaria. His son Ahab replaced him as king. In the 38th year of Asa's reign over Judah, Omri's son Ahab became king over Israel. Ahab, son of Omri ruled over Israel for 22 years in Samaria. Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the sight of the Lord than all who were before him. As if following in the sinful footsteps of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, were not bad enough, he married Jezebel, the daughter of King Athbal of the Sidonians. Then he worshipped and bowed to Baal. He set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal he had built in Samaria. Ahab also made an Asherah pole. He did more to anger the Lord God of Israel than all the kings of Israel who were before him. During Ahab's reign, Heel the Bethlehemite, rebuilt Jericho. Abiram, the firstborn son, died when he laid the foundation. Segub, the youngest son, died when he erected its gates, in keeping with the Lord's message that he had spoken through Joshua, son of Nun. So we have this collection of kings. I hope you've been able to keep track to some degree. Uh, But basically, it's one Israelite king after another doing evil in the sight of the Lord. And it seems to just get progressively worse, that each one does worse and does more evil in the sight of God and is not relying on God at all. And then there's this final story just at the end here of um, Hiel, the Bethlehemite, rebuilding Jericho. And Joshua, when they destroyed Jericho, uh, when they entered the land of Canaan uh, centuries before, had basically said, no one is to be rebuilding Jericho. This is not to be done. And if you do it, when you lay the foundations, your firstborn will die. When you lay the gates of the city, your second uh, oldest son will die. And that's exactly what happens when this man rebuilds Jericho. Again, not relying on God, not listening to the word, but relying on his own wits, his own understanding to his own demise, which we see in all the kings as well. Now, in contrast to this, We finish today with a story from a New Testament book called Philemon. And this is a story that is basically a a letter written by the Apostle Paul to uh, a man named Philemon, who had a slave, basically, Onesimus, who had run away. And Onesimus meets Paul, is changed by hearing the good news of Jesus. And Paul sends Onesimus back with this letter in his hands to Philemon and encourages a brand new relationship between them because of what God has done in both of them as well. And so this message is an incredible message, this letter of hope, of redemption, of what it means to rely on God and see the change that happens in people's lives because of it. And so let's read this letter from the Apostle Paul to Philemon about Onesimus. Philemon, from Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and co-laborer, to Aphia, our sister, to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your house. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. I pray that the faith you share with us may deepen your understanding of every blessing that belongs to you in Christ. I have had great joy and encouragement because of your love, for the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, brother. So, although I have quite a lot of confidence in Christ and could command you to do what is proper, I would rather appeal to you on the basis of love. I, Paul, an old man and even now a prisoner for the sake of Christ Jesus— I am appealing to you concerning my child whose spiritual father I have become during my imprisonment, that is, Onesimus, who was formerly useless to you, but is now useful to you and me. I have sent him, who is my very heart, back to you. I wanted to keep him with me so that he could serve me in your place during my imprisonment for the sake of the gospel. However, without your consent I did not want to do anything So that your good deed would not be out of compulsion, but from your own willingness. For perhaps it was for this reason that he was separated from you for a little while, so that you would have him back eternally, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, as a dear brother. He is especially so to me, and even more so to you now, both humanly speaking and in the Lord. Therefore, if you regard me as a partner, Accept him as you would me. Now, if he has defrauded you of anything or owes you anything, charge what he owes to me. I, Paul, have written this letter with my own hand. I will repay it. I could also mention that you owe me your very self. Yes, brother, let me have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Since I was confident that you would obey, I wrote to you because I knew that you would do even more than what I am asking you to do. At the same time also, prepare a place for me to stay, for I hope that through your prayers I will be given back to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you. Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my co-laborers, greet you too. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And so we have the letter from the Apostle Paul to Philemon, a beautiful letter of restoration and redemption, a letter that calls people to receive each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, as a new family. And that uh, really shows us what an amazing thing it is that when you rely on God and look to Him for His grace, how He can change anybody and restore people in relationships that others would have thought would never have been possible. And it's an encouragement to you and to me, whoever we are, to see that relying on God and His grace brings life. Thanks for listening to the Bible in 260 podcast. May what you have heard speak to your heart and mind today. The scriptures quoted are from the Net Bible, http://netbible httpnetbible.com, copyright 1996-2019, used with permission from Biblical Studies Press, LLC, all rights reserved. Our theme song for the podcast is The Call by Emily Ruth. You can find The Call and other music by Emily Ruth on Apple Music or Spotify or wherever you find your music.